Sometimes I jump over the bumper video, and so I was waiting patiently to not do that. And there is not one, so it's great, y'all. This has been a morning. Uh, I did want to say something about the video, so I'm kind of glad there's not a bumper video. I am notoriously terrible at change. I hate change. I think it clutters up everything. So I love an opportunity to do something with that change, to get out of my life and put it towards a good cause. So you may have noticed when you entered in this morning, there's a table set out right outside full of jars. We want you to have a jar. And there should be enough for everyone. And if there aren't, come find me. I will find you a jar so we can do this initiative together. Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Christians, the core of our identity is found in Jesus. That's probably not a surprise to most of us. Jesus is the reason we are all gathered here. The ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, they all play an important role in what we believe. If you are with us this morning, it is because you are at the very least interested in this whole Jesus person. Unless, of course, you were dragged here for whatever reason. But that's an entirely different dynamic we're not going to get into today. Those of us gathered together, we think there is something worthwhile about knowing Jesus. We believe the stories and ministry of Jesus found out throughout the Gospels are worth our time. We believe that the influence Jesus has on the writings that come after the Gospels are worth our time. If you are new to the whole church life, I want to take some time to welcome you on this journey as together we try to know Christ better. Even those more seasoned of Christians will agree that it is a lifelong journey to truly learn and dissect and embody the words that are found throughout the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all written by different authors and were most likely all written at different points of time throughout history. Each year, churches that follow the lectionary, which if you don't know what that is, it's a three-year cycle of repeated passages. The churches that follow that will focus this year on a gospel. Each year they focus on a different gospel. But I said there were only three, right? And we know there are four gospels. So they focus on Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John is kind of its whole other own thing. And so John is sprinkled in around Easter throughout all three cycles of the lectionary. This year, if you have not guessed already, the lectionary gospel is Luke. Throughout Advent, we read through Luke's gospel, through the beginning parts of the birth narrative and of Elizabeth. All of those exciting things that we read at Advent came from Luke. You may also remember at the beginning of the year, we did a baptismal remembrance service where we read a passage from Luke. Even a few weeks ago, one of our unsettling passages was found from Luke. This is all intentional, as pastors think through something sometimes. 
every Sunday of the Lenten season, we will continue this trend of reading through the Gospel of Luke. If the Bible has always intimidated you, I feel like we've done a really intentional thing this year by trying to hone in on certain books of the Bible so that you can read along through them with this community. Ruth, that we read last month, was a great book to dip your toes into the Old Testament because it reads like a novel. Luke is also going to be a really great introduction to the New Testament. Before we get too far, let's hear some background. Mark is considered to be the oldest of the four Gospels we listed. The Gospels of Luke and Matthew are believed to have used Mark as a source for their own writing. And like I mentioned earlier, John is a whole nother thing. For our purposes this season, we need to know a few things about Luke if we're really going to go deeper. The first of which is that it probably wasn't actually written by a guy named Luke. Ah, that's crazy. The author is actually pretty decidedly anonymous. We don't know who wrote this gospel. I guess it could have been a guy named Luke, if that makes you comfortable. We don't know who wrote it, and scholars put the date around when it was written to be in 80 to 110 A.D., maybe even later than that. Okay, so Stephanie, what do we know? We do know that the author of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. They are meant to be read together as a continuous narrative. So our passage today will be taken from the fourth chapter of Luke. Jesus has just been baptized and the Holy Spirit has descended upon him, which is what we read and went deeper with in January for the baptism of the Lord Sunday. This is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. These are the first things that happen after he's baptized. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan River, where he was baptized, full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. Jesus ate nothing during those days and afterward he was starving. The devil said to him, since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, it's written, People won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, Jesus, if you will worship me, the devil, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil then brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. The devil said to Jesus, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, and here the devil quotes scripture, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. 
Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the, de the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the church say, thanks be to God. Lent is the 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead up to Easter. Lent began last Wednesday. I know a number of you were either at our family Ash Wednesday service or our traditional Ash Wednesday service. At both of these services, we talked about how during these 40 days, we prepare our hearts for the coming reminder of Christ's death and resurrection. In our traditional service sermon that you can catch recorded if you missed it, we talked about how typically Lent can feel like an individual thing. It can be more about our own personal holiness and our own relationship with Christ. But really, as Christians, we don't do life alone. We come together for worship. We pray for each other. We support each other. We are a corporate people. We are a community. Reading our passage this morning from Luke, we don't get anything that screams community. We actually kind of hear the opposite. We hear about the wilderness. We hear about Jesus being isolated. We hear about this challenging situation that Jesus is led into. This story of Jesus in the wilderness it isn't a story about us. It can be tempting to read about the temptation and this interaction of Jesus and the devil and to compare it with all the temptations we face individually or as a community. It's also tempting to kind of dismiss how impressive Jesus is in resisting these temptations. I remember as a child reading this story, and first off, devil, I was like, what? The devil? What is that? Um, but also, things that stuck out to me as I read it as a child was, of course Jesus resisted. It's Jesus, right? Jesus is fully divine. Jesus is a way better person than me. It can be hard to kind of chalk this story up to, well, yeah, Jesus is fully divine. And yet, I think there's more for us to learn here. Sure, we should all resist temptation and sure, we should all understand that this Jesus not only is fully human, but is also fully divine. But this interaction isn't giving us something to strive for necessarily. This interaction stands to demonstrate who Jesus is and how counterculture Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is who leads Jesus into the wilderness. The devil doesn't drag Jesus in and banish him to this isolated environment. It's the literal Holy Spirit that's already descended upon Jesus. That's who Jesus goes to the wilderness with. And it's in the wilderness that Jesus is tempted. Jesus is tempted three times. Jesus is first tempted by bread. 
which if you're me as a child, you're like, yeah, of course, Jesus doesn't want to eat the roll. He's so strong and faithful. But Jesus has been there for 40 days. Anyone who has known true, deep hunger knows how hard it is to resist that type of temptation, to know the yearning that must be deep inside when you say no. I won't turn that into bread for me. Jesus resists. Next, Jesus is tempted with wealth, kingdoms, power, prestige. Also a pretty big temptation. And once again, Jesus resists. Finally, Jesus is offered an opportunity to demonstrate his true identity to the people of Jerusalem. They're atop of the, on top of the temple. And the devil says, why don't you throw yourself off and everybody will see how the angels save you. Jesus resists. Ironically, he will offer his life at the end of his ministry. But we're not there yet. We're still at the beginning. The devil tests Jesus by offering food, wealth, and life. In Jesus' resistance, he establishes what his ministry will look like. Jesus will not give in to temptation for personal gain or desire. Jesus will not live his life like other kings who rule with power and might. Jesus didn't come to save himself. Jesus came to save the world. At first glance, it seems as if this is the opposite of community. Jesus is by himself facing these things head on. And yet, you knew it was coming, didn't you? And yet, in every response Jesus gives back to the devil, he is quoting scripture. And not just any scripture. All three times Jesus responds to the devil, he quotes Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book that deals specifically with the covenant God gives to the Israelites through Moses. Even in these temptations, Jesus points back to this covenant to rebuke the devil and to point to God's true identity. Jesus' responses come from a covenant given to God's people, not given to one person being tested in the desert. Jesus points to the community of God's people following God's laws. Jesus' ministry begins with a reminder of the community of the Israelites, of the covenant God's people have with God. This Lenten season, we could do the whole thing alone. We can give up something. We could spend time isolated as we read scripture or pray or meditate. They're all good and valid things to do. But it doesn't stop there. 
We can't live our faith out by ourselves. We are called to come together. While Jesus' ministry may seem to begin out in the wilderness by himself, he calls on the covenant of God's people. And just a few chapters later, Jesus will gather the disciples, the people who are with him throughout the rest of his ministry. Jesus didn't do life alone. Lent isn't just about giving things up and setting ourselves away from the rest of the world. Lent is about preparing our hearts for Easter, and we cannot do that by ourselves. We must come together. We must make time to hear from our brothers and sisters. We must be slow to speak and quick to listen. We must work on doing acts of justice and loving our neighbors. We must demonstrate love. We must do all of the great things that are taught to us in scripture and through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We must recognize the majesty of God the humility of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, I encourage you to start collecting change for our Change Changes Life's mission project. I invite you to join one of our Lenten studies. What are the ways we can draw near to our community and work on glorifying God in these days leading up to Easter? We are a community that follows the example set in Jesus' extraordinary life. We are invited to journey with Christ and with one another. Won't you join us?